love what Rachel said there because um, it makes me think about today and this weekend and it being Memorial Day weekend. And um, I was doing a little like looking into what Memorial Day is and where it came from. And I'm a nerd, as I've been told by many of my friends. So I love to like read books and study things out. And I learned about where uh, Memorial Day came from. And it used to be called Decoration Day. And it happened, it started happening a year after the Civil War ended. And it was when um, the families of fallen Confederate soldiers uh, came to the cemetery where their their soldiers, their fallen had been buried and they were decorating the graves. And in that cemetery was also the graves of the Union soldiers. And those Union soldiers' graves were barren. There was no wreaths or flags or flowers or anything put at those Union soldier um, grave sites. And those widows, those, those families saw that barrenness there and they thought of those families up north or wherever they were at thinking about that those are my kids and I knew that their graves were barren on this day where we're remembering who had fallen um, fighting for, you know, a side or fall, fighting for what they believed in um, that would break our hearts. And so they went and they, they laid wreaths and they laid flowers on those Union soldiers. Only a year after they had, their, their own fallen had died and it was a nasty, bloody war, but they came together on that day and they... They used, they were an open vessel for God's love to show that that was a human life that they valued. And whether regardless if they fought for that side or what side they were on, they could still see that as another human and that they could still honor them. So for any, any family members or any, anybody that's lost, it, lost a soldier in battle, I honor you today and I honor them in their, their lives and what their sacrifice did for our freedom. So just with that, I just wanted to welcome you all. <laughs> I know that's kind of a sad memorial thing. Thank you guys. Thank you. Um, but I just think that it's really important to know the true meaning of it because so many times we think it's um, Memorial Sale Day or it's a time to go have a long weekend. No pun intended. Or um, it's a, you know, just a time to celebrate summer's coming or whatever. But it's actually a pretty mournful day and remembering that those those were the people that died in the battles, like in conflict, not just, yeah. So, but thank you guys. I appreciate y'all. Thank you. <laughs> but hello, um, my name is Candace Lostro, and I have I haven't got to meet you. I just want to say hello. And um, I've come to this church for a really long time since we were in high school, pretty much, huh, Cody? <laughs> and... Um, I was kind of giggling to myself because I was like, oh, it's Memorial Day weekend. It's probably going to be light in here. Like, I know a lot of people are out of town or they're camping or anything like that. And then I thought about this. I was like, no, it's cowboy church. A lot of people have cattle and horses or some kind of livestock that they've got to stay home and feed. <laughs> so they'll be at church. <laughs> um, but anyways, welcome. Welcome, Facebook. If you are listening online, I just want to say hello to you. And I'm so glad that you all are here. Um, I, uh, it's funny, the, the message that I'm going to share with you today, I had texted Lynette um, back in March. And I was like, man, God just gave me 
gave me something and I like texted her and I sent her this YouTube clip and everything like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this. Just like saying that I'm excited about it. Like just wanted to share it with her. And she's like, okay, so do you want to, do you want to minister on that? And I'm like, okay. So that's what happens when you send Lynette stuff. (laughs) She will be like, Hey, get on up there and preach it, share it. Um, but I was, I was diving into some scriptures just in the gospels. And this is a passage that I'm sure you've heard. Um, probably you've read it many, many times. Um, I know that I have, and what I've learned with Uh, scripture and reading your Bible is sometimes you'll read it and you'll read it as a story and you'll read, you'll get like kind of the topical surface level of like what the story is trying to tell you and what it's trying to maybe teach you or reveal about God or reveal about um, humanity. And there's, uh, I heard a quote and it really settled good with me because so, so many times I read a scripture And then I'll come back through and I'll read it again. I'll be like, man, like I got something completely different out of it this time. But the the quote is from Gregory the Great. And I don't know who that is. So just I'm not that much of a nerd. Um, (laughs) But it says scripture is like a river, broad and deep, shallow for the lamb to wade, but deep for the elephant to swim. And so I had read, I've read this before and um, I I was like, wow, like this actually really relates to what I ended up walking through just a couple weeks later. And when you have experience with maybe what that that topic is in that scripture, it just opens a whole new meaning to you and a whole new door to you. Um, And I also, I compare it to Dr. Seuss as well. So like if you read a Dr. Seuss book to your kid, like you get the overall message. And I know those are like outlawed and out or something, but we still read. There's some Dr. Seuss in our house. (laughs) But anyways, there's sometimes you read Dr. Seuss and you're like, oh my gosh, that is so deep. Like, even though it's like kid level, like that is really, really deep. So I just encourage you, if you've ever been like, I do not understand what the Bible is saying here. Like, just read it over and over again. It's a living document and it will... um, Sometimes if it doesn't relate to you right that that moment, come back to it and read it again. But we're going to start, if you guys have your Bibles um, or your phone, we're going to go to Mark 5.21. And they're going to bring it up on the screen for you as well. And I'm going to try and find it here. But just to give you a little bit of background, this is um, this is happening after Jesus. He had been healing a lot of people. He had been casting out demons. And he gets in a boat and he goes across, I'm guessing the Galilee sea. And he is land. He just landed. And this is where we're going to pick up here. So it says on 21, sorry. Oh no. Okay. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea and behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. And I'm going to leave off right there because I wanted to just say from here, I'm sure you've read, this is a woman that has been, um, 
She's had a health condition for 12 years, and it's an amazing story. So I'll let you guys go and read that in your own time. But she goes and she touches Jesus' um, Jesus robe and is healed. But I'm going to focus on, on the first part of that story. So with Jairus, he's a synagogue leader, and his little girl is sick back at home. Um, I just want to pray over us this morning because I know for me, uh, Diving into something like that, looking at somebody that's sick, that's not feeling good, that is um, maybe you don't know what's going on with them, it can be it can be a scary moment. So if that's ever been you, like I, I just my heart goes out to you because I, I feel it. But this morning, God, I just pray that this word of God will be um, will be accepted by the hearts of the people that are that are hearing it, Father. And I just pray that I can speak it clearly, that um, I can take breaths and I can calm down, but I can also speak your word clearly this morning, Lord. And I just love you. And we just thank you and we praise you. All right. Sorry. I'm like, I need to, woo, woo. (laughs) But anyways, this morning, sorry, you can, you can laugh at me. It's all good. (laughs) Uh, My husband's like, you wrote in your notes to breathe. Like, that's good, Candace. Like, that's really good. I'm like, I know. I had to. Um, so a little bit about how 2021 has been going for us. Not that great. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. But I am determined that it's going to be better from here on out. Um, this year, our greatest fear as parents came true. Um, Sheridan, my daughter, she's my oldest. She's eight years old. She'll be nine next, well, in July. Um, she got sick in April and when I say she got sick, she got really, really sick. Um, there was fevers, there was headaches, there was, um, just lethargy, uh, just not feeling great. And it ended ended up going from going to the pediatrics and thinking, oh, it's not that big of a deal. We'll get her started on some antibiotics that didn't, didn't work because that wasn't what she was actually dealing with. Went from going to the ER getting admitted to the hospital, getting rushed to children's by ambulance, getting admitted into ICU for two days. Um, and it was one of those, those deals where you're like, this can't happen. My kid's healthy. This is never going to happen to me. Turned into like playing out in front of our eyes. And of course, with COVID, there's only one parent allowed into the hospital. And that was me. And I wish some days where I'm like, it should have been Cody. Maybe he's stronger than me. Maybe he's more peaceful than me. And I'm like, ah, like, what are we doing here? Um, but when we got to ICU and, you know, these are the best doctors that should be dealing with this, um, what, you know, what my kid was going through, which they did not know. They didn't know what it was. They had an inkling and they said, you know, we can test her for this, but it's not going to come back for days. And we need to get her started on this treatment right now. And, you know, they named a name and they're like, don't Google it. And I, when that, when they say that, sometimes when you hear like as a parent, especially, or if your kid's sick or you're sick, it's like, do not Google it. Like, don't put yourself through that terror, that horror or anything like that. And so when they said that, I was like, oh God, like that kind of freaks me out just a little bit because I want to know what it is. I want to know how we can deal with this. But it was like, God told me like, don't, don't do it. (laughs) Um, So we're sitting there in Denver at Children's and I feel like fear is just knocking on my door. Like it's right there saying like, 
Nobody knows what this is. They have a clue of how they want to treat it, but it may or may not work. Um, they told me, they said, we're going to get her started on this and it take 12, it, it sh- the treatment will take 12 hours. She could turn around in the first hour or she will, she might not turn around. And then we're going to have to do a ton more or go different, like a totally different route. And it involved lots of stuff in her neck and everything like that. So I'm just like, it was, she, that girl, you try to poke her arm with a needle and she loses her mind. So I could not imagine putting stuff in her neck. Um, but that night, uh, it was about 11 o'clock when we got to ICU. And I remember they had got her started on the treatment and, um, amazingly we were, you know, I was worn out just from the entire day of what everything that we went through. And she was too, but she was sleeping. She was sleeping peacefully and her blood pressure. The, the major symptom of what she had, it made her blood pressure so low, like barely beating heart. And, um, it was scary. It was scary to the nurses. It was scary to me and it was scary to the doctors as well. And I remember just like, laying down and just thinking like, there's no way I'm going to fall asleep because I'm going to stare at this monitor and just make sure that her heart is still like beating and doing good. But I did end up falling asleep. Like, I don't know it, I needed it. I'm sure I did. And I remember the nurse waking me up and she goes, Candace, her blood pressure is raising. Like it's and it. It only raised like maybe 10 points, but she was just like, it's, I think it's working, you know? And it was just like that, that release of like, oh my gosh, okay, maybe, maybe we're on the right track. But man, God, God was, when I was sitting there going like, okay, they don't know what this is. They don't know how they're going to treat this. They're just going to take a whack at it. Fear, like I said, was right there. But I remember also God being like, hey, right here, keep your eyes on me. Like Red song, keep your eyes locked on me. And, um, I could choose at that moment that I could give in to my fears. I could give in to going and Googling whatever they thought she had, or I could get a hold of God. Um, I could take God at his word that he says that he heals, that he has miracles for us, that he works in power for us. Or I could take a deep dive into, again, the land of Google or the land of my fears and the land of my doubts. Um, and I want to go back to what Jesus said to Jairus. Um, and he said that he, he went into the, um, sorry, I'm going to go back up into a part where he's telling Jairus. Sorry, I did, not get, I did not get that scripture for you, Brad, but it's 35. I will have you go to that one right now. I was just thinking that I messed that one up for you, but we'll still go there. So in Mark 535, while Jesus was still talking after he had healed that woman of the issue with blood, uh, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who had said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any farther, any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And so when Jesus was sitting there, he was talking to the multitude of people. Someone came from Jairus' house and he said, 
don't bother that rabbi or that teacher any further. And I, I want to I, I wanna put myself in Jairus' shoes. Maybe he's sitting here watching and he's like, Jesus, we were on the way to my house. Like, let's go. We've got to go. My little girl's sick. Like, things need to happen. Like, you need to get there and lay your hands on her. And, you know, Jesus gets stopped. He gets interrupted. He gets um, put on pause for just a second. And in that moment, there's a person coming from Jairus's house that's been with his little girl, and he he gives the news that, that she's died. But, and I could just feel, like, Jairus's heart that he probably sat there and, like, physically just sunk down. He felt the weight of everything that God, um, or that that news gave him. And I know that Jesus heard, heard what was going on and he said, like, look at me, look at me right now, lock eyes with me and just know, do not fear, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. And so I believe that Jesus went, um, went in that and Jairus believed that. So uh, from there, I wanted to just kind of give you guys something that this is what God had been speaking to me, preparing me for April, preparing me for Sheridan getting sick. And over and over and over again, God kept telling me, like, Sim- it's simple, and keep it simple, and keep it simple, stupid, <laughs> keep it simple. It was just like, come back to what you know, come back to what you believe. And over and over again, that was what God was showing me. And when I say that, it truly means just take God at his word, that you don't have to add to it, that you don't have to go and understand every single thing that the Bible says, that you don't have to go and be a Bible scholar, that you don't have to be you know, born of noble birth. You don't have to um, have all of this experience and wisdom in life to stand in faith and to say, I'm not going to fear. I'm only going to believe. Um, what, what I've been told in the past and what I believe kind of lines up with this is that fear is an acronym and it's false evidence appearing real. And it's a lie. It's a lie that the enemy tells you. It's a lie that this world will tell you. It's a lie sometimes that you'll tell yourself and when you believe it, it makes you want to give up. It makes you want to take a back seat to like walking in faith. And it's the one, it's, it's that person showing up and saying, don't bother. She's already dead. Don't bother the teacher any farther. Let him go on his way. Don't worry about bringing him back here. Um, but Jesus, remember again, locked eyes with Jairus and said, do not be afraid. Only believe. Um, and something that I had been thinking about and I'd been thinking about when I was in, in the hospital with Sheridan and when she, I mean, the little girl, she's like this teeny little thing and there's not much to her. And seeing her in that hospital, she hadn't eaten for about a week and she was exhausted and she was tired and, um, seeing my little girl and anytime a nurse would come in, you know, she'd tell them, thank you. Whether they were poking her arm or doing anything to her, she'd just tell them, thank you. And I'm just like, God, like, (laughs) like, why is she going through this? And I would tell her, I would, you know, with my tears in my eyes and I'd be like, baby, I wish I could take your spot. 
Like, I wish that I could be in that bed hooked up to all this stuff and that you were running around doing what you were supposed to be doing. And, uh, it was a, it was a time where I'm like, I, you know, I got frustrated and Cody can tell you that I've called, I called him on occasion and yelled at him because I was mad. (laughs) I'm sorry, babe. (laughs) I was, I was mad. I was mad at the situation. I wasn't mad at God because God's all I had in the hospital room. Um, like I said, Cody couldn't be there. Of course I could talk to him on the phone, but I didn't have anybody there with me to sit with me and to pray with me or anything like that. And, um, but God was the one that I had to get a hold of in that situation. I could give into my fears. I could sit there on my phone and Google all of these symptoms, but I knew that that was not good for Sheridan. That wasn't good for what we were standing on. And that wasn't good for our healing. Um, And it was a lie that was set before me, you know, like, you need to look this up. You need to do something. You need to control the situation of some, some way. And it's a lie that was set before me to lower my belief in God's word to match the doubt, the doubt or the lack of faith that was happening around me. It wasn't, it wasn't, um, me coming up to God's level of the way that he was seeing things and the way that he was moving and working. So again, it was just me trying to bring what I believed in God down to my level and to like match my pain and to match the way that I was feeling in that. And I was like, all right, I'm either going to get a hold of him. I'm going to take him at his word or I'm going to let go. I'm going to give up. And um, it was it it would make it makes you question. It makes you question. Is God really that good? Is God who he says he is? Um, is God powerful enough for my situation as, and has he given me the same power that he has, which is what Jesus died for too. His Holy spirit lives in us. So we have that same power. Um, and it makes you, it makes you question, is God's word enough? Is he enough? And, you know, and did God really say that? Does that sound familiar to anyone? It's the same lie that Satan has been perpetuating from the beginning of time. Did God really say that? Did he really say that, you know, you're a child of God and that you're endowed with these certain, um, these certain powers because his son died for you? Um, it can't be that simple, right? Like, right? That's what, that's what this world wants to tell us. It can't be that simple. You can't take Jesus right at his word to not be afraid. And I mean, many times people are like, well, I'm still afraid and I'm taking God at his word. But I want to like break down what that fear actually is. And that fear is taking your focus off of God and again, locking eyes with Jesus and it's putting it on your situation. It's taking your eyes off of who God is, how good he is, what you understand about him and putting it on all that's going around you, bringing that belief down to your level and fitting your little box that you're trying to put him in. That's the way that I'm defining fear here. And that's the way that I believe that Jesus was spelling that out to Jairus in that moment when he was told that his daughter was dead. Don't bother the teacher. Um, And I have a movie clip that I want to share with you guys. Um, Brad's going to bring it up here in just a second. And if you're on Facebook, I'm sorry, but this is like copyrighted. So they won't be able to show it on Facebook, but we are going to post the link in the comments. So go and watch it because I think it's powerful. 
Um, it's a movie called Bleed for This, and it's based on, it's a true story based on a boxer. He's a welterweight boxer named Vinny Pazienza. And if you can guess, he's probably Italian. Um, <laughs> um, but anyways, Vinny is, uh, he's a boxer that was very successful. He won um, the welterweight belt title. And he went on to um, get in a car with his friend. And I don't want to ruin the movie for everyone, but I also want to give you this clue is that this movie is not that great. It's not church appropriate. Cody and I watched it and we're like, wow, that was like an hour of our life that we can't get back. But the last minute of the movie is the best part of the movie, right, Cody? (laughs) Um, So anyways, uh, he gets into a car with his friend and gets in a car accident, a really, really bad one. And he is put into like one of those halos um, that keeps your spine all stabilized. And the doctors tell him like, you're never going to fight again. You may never even walk again, but you're definitely not going to fight again. And he has this determination that, you know, no, like I'm going to, I'm going to get back at it. And he starts working out with this halo on his head and it's pretty incredible. And he comes back and ends up, uh, you know, I'm ruining the movie for all of you, but just letting you know that like you really don't need to waste your life and go watch it. So, (laughs) but anyways, he goes and he, uh, defends his title after being told that he'll never even walk again, let alone fight. So we're going to go ahead and show this clip, and this is at the very end of the movie. The biggest deception was, what was the biggest lie you were told? It's not that simple. Why not? No, that's the biggest lie I was ever told. It's not that simple. And it's a lie they tell you over and over again. What's not simple? Any of it. All of it. It's how they get you to give up. They say it's not that simple, Vinny. So what's the truth? That it is. That if you just do the thing that they tell you, you can't, then it's done. And you realize it is that simple. That it always was. Yeah. I um, I saw that movie clip back in March, and that was one of the things that um, put that message in my heart that I shared with Lynette long before my little girl went through with what she went through. Um, and it, it showed me like, hey, like taking God at his word, it is that simple. You, you can walk in power and faith. It is that simple. Um, and what they said there, you know, what's the greatest lie you were ever told? And he said, you know, it's not that simple. It's a lie that they tell you over and over and over and over and over again. It's to get you to give up. It's to get you to get into fear. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of that God isn't as good as he is, or a fear of that, you know, his word isn't as powerful as it is. But when you actually learn that that's a lie, and that if you just do it, that if you just stand on God's word, if you actually take him at his word and do what the word says, it's done. 
And it's always been that simple. And I really truly believe that God as complex as creation is, as complex as the human body is, all the way down to the single little cells. God, yes, he's complex and he creates complex, but his methods are simple. You know, you put seed in the ground and it brings forth a crop sometimes, not where we live. But um, <laughs> it, 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 you, um, maybe you're, <laughs> sorry. Um, and also, like, there's one thing that God told me and he showed me is that many times in our Western culture, we have to understand it. We have to see it. We have to feel it or smell it or, you know, again, see it before we'll believe it. Well, God doesn't operate like that. And the Middle Eastern culture that this Bible was written in, they don't operate that way either. And so sometimes we have to dive into how this book was written. And many, 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 many times it was, you've got to believe it before you're going to understand it. You've got to believe it before you're going to see it, before you feel it, before you see it happen in front of your eyes. Like Moses walked up to the, the, the Red Sea and God said, put your staff into the water. And of course, like what's he going to sit there and be like, oh, well, I believe this water is going to part. Moses didn't know that. He didn't understand that. And he put his staff in the ground and the waters parted. So we need to believe it. We need to stand on God's word before we see it. And <laughs> um, and notice that I didn't say, when I say simple, that God's word is simple, I'm not saying that it's easy. It's going to be the hardest thing you ever do. Easy is without effort or without difficulty. Easy is not what I'm talking about. Simple is like, it's, it's doable. It's, it's, the steps are in front of you. Take them. The God's word tells you what to do. And over and over again, Jesus, God says in his word, and um, Pastor Darren and I were talking about it. He's like, you know, I've heard from other sources that it's said 365 times in the Bible, do not fear of some translation. But I looked a little bit more into it like over and over again. I've seen like it 500 times that it says, do not fear. So God is very, very adamant in his instructions to do not fear. Um, and one thing I want to bring up because I grew up in a church that put a lot on you to be right with God. You had to do a lot of different things. You had to go to this class. You had to memorize this and all of these things. And a lot of the times it's good stuff to understand and to memorize and all of that, but it's not just to be good with God or to be right with God because we're already right, right with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. Like, I want you to understand that if you accepted Jesus into your heart, his sacrifice on the, the cross was enough. So no matter what we do, we can't do enough. Um, so when Jesus said that, do not be afraid, only believe, he went back to Jairus's house. And there was, um, it says, I saw a tumult of those who wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, <laughs> Jesus pushed them out the door. And he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him 
Those who are with him, I want to point that out because that just pointed out to me, like surround yourself with people that are believing for the same miracle that you're believing for. And you're allowed to shove the ones that are not believing the same way with you out the door because Jesus did it. And he entered where the child was lying. And when he took the child by the hand, he said to her, Talithe kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the little girl arose and she walked for she was 12 years of age and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given to her to eat. And after Sheridan had been on that treatment for one hour, that nurse woke me up and said, hey, I think it's working. And in about 15 minutes later, Sheridan woke up and she said, I've got to pee. And so we took her to the bathroom and then she got back in her bed and she goes, mom, I am so hungry. So like that little girl, after Jesus raised her from the dead, he said, get her something to eat. (laughs) My little girl was hungry and Jesus said, get her something to eat. So she had, she ordered everything off of that hospital menu. And she thought that it was like the best food ever, which does not speak highly of my cooking. So, (laughs) but Sheridan's doing great. Um, She got a clean uh, cardiologist appointment because of what she had affected her organs and in her heart specifically. So she's doing great with that. And uh, it's just, it's cool to see what God's word is and to see it play out in front of your eyes. Um. Yes, yes. And I want to I wanna point out one more example because God showed me, he's like, you know, sometimes what we're, we're believing for health, we're believing for healing, we're believing for a miracle, but sometimes we're also believing for giants to fall or we're praying for mountains to be moved or doors to be opened or the impossible to be possible. And that's who God is. He's the God of impossible. Um, so you don't have to turn here in your Bibles unless you want to, because I'm going to skip around a lot, but in first Samuel 17, starting in 33, this is David and Goliath. So I'm sure when I said first Samuel 17, I'm sure some people knew who I, what I was going to talk about, but David was a shepherd. And in that time, shepherds were like kind of the outcasts of society. They were simple people. They took care of sheep, they brought them to better pastures, they brought them to water, and they protected them from predators. That was basically who, what they did. And um, David was sent to the front lines to take care, take something to his brothers. And he saw Goliath coming out in the middle of the battlefield, which Goliath was a Philistine, and he was, you know, the enemy. And he was calling the army of Israel to come down and fight him. And uh, over and over and over again, he came out and said, you know, who will come and fight me? And every time that he came out, also, he was like cursing God. He would call out curses upon the army of Israel and the curse on God, too. And David heard him. And um, Pastor Mark asked if I was going to cuss during service today. I was like, no, I'm not going to. But I'm actually going to (laughs) show... This is what I believe. This is a curse word in the Bible that David said. So he says, this is David after hearing Goliath call out to the armies of Israel. He says, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And if you know anything about being uncircumcised in the Old Testament, that's a curse word. He's calling out, who is this 
uncircumcised Philistine. And um, he is hearing Goliath go on and go on. And he's like, well, I'll go out and fight him. Like, what do I get? What, what do I get if I go and fight him? And David or Saul had heard that David was talking about, like, I'll go do it. And he says, you, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You're a youth. He's a man. He's a man of war from his youth. Goliath is. But David's like, hey, you know what? When I was keeping my father's sheep, I killed a bear. I killed a lion. And this same Philistine here, he's going to fall just like them. Um, he, David had, in this time when he was shepherding his, his father's sheep, he was under, getting to know God. He was understanding what God, God's word said. He was learning to stand on it. He was um, honing his skills as a shepherd, as um, somebody that could defend himself or defend other people. And when he had heard about Goliath, he was like, I've got the skills. Like, I, I know what to do. But Saul is like, you're, you're not proven yet. You're not experienced enough. You're not, um, you don't have a battle plan. You don't have any weapons. You're not even carrying a sword. You don't have a spear. You don't have a javelin, whatever that is. I don't even know. Um, you, you are not proven for battle like this. And so Saul was like, at least take my armor. And he puts all of this heavy armor on Saul. And Saul's like, I can't walk in this. Like, I can't even barely move. And just like a lot of what religion does in our life, it puts this heaviness on you. It puts what you th- it thinks you need to get through life on you. And you can't walk in it. You can't move in it. It's a heavy burden that this world lays on us sometimes. Especially, the. I really believe it's the religious spirit that says you have to understand your Bible. You've got to read it in its entirety. You have to go to theology school. Or you've got to be without sin for three months to actually make something move and happen in your life. And that's another lie. It's a lie that that this world sets before you. And David knew how to take God at his word. He knew that it is that simple, that all I need is five smooth rocks and I've got this handled and I've got God with me. And he talks about, he goes, um, God is coming. Like it says that I will go with God, that God is with me wherever I go. And then David said to the Philistine to Goliath, as Goliath saw him walking out, towards him with nothing. He says, uh, Goliath's calling him like, you come out here, you come to me with sticks. And he's talking about David's shepherd stick. Um, you come to me, and David said to Goliath, you come to me with a sword, with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And David's saying, I've got covenant with God. You don't have anything, Goliath. And I've got, I've got weapons that you don't even know I have. Uh, and on that, I really believe that like those, those words that Jesus echoed to Jairus, do not fear, only believe. David had known how to do that. He knew how to take God at his word. And I believe that the word that David was standing on right here happened back in Joshua. And in Joshua 1, 9, this is the word that I believe that David was standing on, most likely because he was, he was a good Jewish boy. He knew he had heard this before. And Joshua 1, 9 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. 
Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. Um, and just one thing there, wherever God goes, things happen. And giants fall and mountains move. And so David went out there, and he didn't even need all five of those stones. He threw one and took down Goliath. Um, so I want to just make sure you guys walk away with this today. Cause again, I know it's simple and that's exactly what I want it to wanted it to be. God's word says, do not fear, which means get a hold of God, focus in on him. God's word says only believe, take God at his word and act on that. It is that simple. This world needs us. This world needs God's children to not be afraid. When we are afraid, we are taking a back seat to what God is asking us to do, right? This world needs us to take God at his word. And when we take God at his word, we take God with us, just like David did on the battlefield. And when we take God with us, we take territory. We take maybe political seats. Maybe we take... uh, hospital rooms. We take homeless shelters. We take uh, schools (laughs) and we bring God with us when we are taking God at his word. And I just want to, I want to emphasize this. You do not have to understand before you believe it. You don't have to No, you don't even have to have read the entire Bible to believe it. I mean, I get on a plane. I have no idea how that thing gets up in the air and stays in the air, but I still do it, right? (laughs) Maybe some people don't. (laughs) But I truly believe that God is, like, it is that simple. Just like that movie said, it is that simple. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Take God at his word. And watch those mountains move. Watch those giants fall. All right? Don't take a back seat in your faith. Take action. David could have stayed back in that army. He could have said, well, like, yeah, I've taken out a a bear and a lion. But, like, this guy, he's been, you know, trained since he was a kid to fight like this. But, no, he, he he knew who God was. He knew how powerful God was, and he took action. So, Rhett, wherever you are, I'll have you come up. Um, something that I just, I, I, I want to thank everyone here who had heard about what was going on with Sheridan, who stood with us and who prayed and believed and who sent me scriptures or sent me songs. Um, it definitely, like, if you can ever help somebody and you're like, man, I don't feel like I can do much for them, like, simply letting them know that you're praying for them is so powerful. So I want to thank everyone that did that for us. And um, it's so cool to see, like, how God moves and the people that you get to uh, get to touch or you get to talk to and minister to even when you're going through stuff like that. Um, if you're in here today and maybe you have walked in faith before or you grew up in church or you know you've been like you've said yes to Jesus at one point in your life but maybe you've walked away from him and you're like okay so she says it is that simple how simple is it Candace well really all it is is turning from the way that you were going and turning back to God 
and just saying, God, like I surrender to you and I make, I'm making you the Lord of my life. I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to not live in fear and anxiety and nervousness and not knowing about tomorrow. And I'm going to take you at your word and I'm going to do what you're going to say. And maybe, maybe you've heard these words today and you were drugged to church today or something like that, or you're here for graduation weekend and you never come to this church. And maybe you, um, maybe you're like, okay, like I've actually never had a relationship with God. And just like when I said in that hospital to my little girl, I said, if I could take your place, I would, honey. Like if I could get you out of this bed and take all of your sickness, all of everything that's going on in your body, I would. And the thing is, is we have a savior that did that for us, that he took all of our sin, all of our sickness, all of everything that we were going to deal with in this life. He took it upon himself and he not only died for us to have, to live with him forever, eternally, but he also died for us to have victory here on this earth, right here and now. Um, And I want to offer that to you, that if you're like, this is the decision I'm going to make. I'm tired of living in fear. I'm tired of just barely getting by through life and uh, being sick and being tired and all of that stuff. And I'm tired of living without God. I'm tired of having nothing to stand on. Um, You know what? I want you to be bold this morning. And would you just raise your hand? And I just want you to make that declaration that, God, I'm here and I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do that for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. You guys are bold, bold. And I know that there is, there's people in here that maybe, maybe you've been um, dealing with something that you're like, okay. So Jairus came and he got Jesus and Jesus went and healed his daughter. And maybe it was just a few hours between that. Or you're like me and you're waiting through the night to see healing happen in your little girl, what you're standing and what you're believing for. Or maybe you're like, um, preacher girl, I've been waiting 25 years for healing in my life. I've been waiting so long for healing in my marriage or um, for that wayward son or daughter to come back home. Like, you don't, you waited one night, you waited a few hours, but I've been waiting over and over and over again to hear the voice of God to tell him what to, for me, what I should do. But God simply just says, like, do not fear, only believe that it is that simple. And what I say to you, and I know that maybe I haven't walked in your shoes, but keep pressing in, keep walking with him, endure, do not give up. Do not give into that lie that says it is not that simple. You're doing something wrong. You're not doing enough or you'll never measure up or you're never, you'll never get what you're praying for. That is a lie. That is not the truth. That is not the word of God. So learn the word of God, read and study and maybe find something, even if it's just two words, what I just read you today, I think it's like five words that I'm, that I stood on and no matter what, don't give in, don't give up, don't give Satan that satisfaction that he took you out, that he took you out of the race because we need you. This world needs you, but I'm just going to pray over you. Father God, I just thank you for every person that's in here today. 
I pray that my words made sense, that they were simple. (laughs) I pray that um, for hearts that maybe came in here hardened, maybe they were hardened because church people in the past hurt them. Maybe they're mad at God. Maybe they've, again, been praying for something that hasn't taken place yet. But, Father, I pray for that shell to be broken across their heart, that their hearts would be soft and they would be open to your love, that maybe this is just a peek into what God's going to do in their lives and in their heart. And, Father God, I pray over anybody that's dealing with sickness or maybe um, anything going on in their relationships or anything like that, Father, I pray for your power to break in and for miracles to happen, for impossibilities to be possible with you, Father. And I pray for mountains. Maybe you've been praying for a job. Maybe you've been praying for uh, a house or selling your, well, you don't even need a prayer to sell your house right now, but you just need a realtor. Um, But I'm just praying over those people that maybe they're saying, there is a Goliath in front of me and I do not know how to make him fall. God, that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them weapons that Goliath doesn't know that they have. And I just pray that they would walk out of this church today in boldness, not fearing, but only believing. We just thank you and we just praise you, God. You are so good. You are who you say you are, Father, and we believe it. And we act on that. In Jesus' name, amen.